songs, uh, several of them at the last one there, but I appreciate him leading these songs, and it sets up our lesson, if you got an, uh, an outline a moment ago, if you're looking at it, um, you'll notice that tonight I'm doing what I'm called, I call sermons in song, which basically means I take a song and try to stress a lesson or uh, the sermon from that song, and that'll be the case tonight. We're going to reflect upon a song, the one we just sang, 929, that I think emphasizes worshiping, obviously so, in fact, both of the last two songs we sang, but emphasizes worshiping each individual member of the Godhead, namely in the song, the Father, Jesus, and the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, as we sing our various songs that we do, sometimes a profound scriptural point really is made in the simple lyrics of a song. And maybe God created us this way, I think he probably did, that we tend to retain things that we sing. A lot of little children, for example, learn their alphabet, you know, A, B, C, D, and we, you know, it sticks in your head the rest of your life. But we, we do retain things. And, and so singing allows us, as Colossians 3 teaches us, to let the Word of God, or the Word of Christ, dwell in us richly. And I think such is the case with Glorify Your Name. You may remember a few weeks back when we had the question and answer period on the Holy Spirit. Someone made reference to song number 929 and asked about the idea of specifically worshiping the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not realize this, and I, I tell you some of these things from time to time. I, I try to do, you know, reading and keep up with things that are going on, maybe doctrinal trends and that kind of thing. Every now and then, hear something new and try to run that down. But there is and has been really a controversy that has existed among members of the church and elsewhere, but more so among members of the church, that the Holy Spirit is not to be the object of our worship. Um, if you take periodicals, you know, some put truth, uh, you know, kind of recycled or passed on some of the truth magazines they receive. But if you take periodicals like that or read them, you may have seen some articles germane to that fact. That Jesus is to be the object of our worship. Now, I agree with that. He is the main focus of our worship in this age. Some would say Jesus only. Others would say, no, the precedent for worshiping the Father is in the Bible, even out of the mouth of Jesus, and for worshiping Jesus in such passages as Colossians 3.16. But nowhere are we taught to worship the Holy Spirit. And so that kind of passes. And I think that also influenced by maybe some denominational or cultic ideas where the Holy Spirit really is just relegated to some force or action or whatever of God, but not even a person, uh, maybe that contributes to it as well, but coming away then with the idea that we should not worship the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if we sing a song like 929 or what was it, 854, for the, the, the last two that Wes led that specifically addressed the Holy Spirit, then that'd be wrong because we ought not worship, as it were, the Holy Spirit. In answer to that question and really dealing with that, and I wanted to deal with it because I think it is important for us to understand that, if I were going to start, and, and we had you know, a lot of time tonight, maybe two or three hours, to really belabor this point, 
I think I'd probably start with defending something that I'm sure you already agree with, so there's no need to do that. But let me state it clearly. Each person of the Trinity, when we speak of the Trinity, we speak of three persons in the Godhead. The word Godhead is used several times, like Romans 1, verse 20, where we understand God's eternal power and Godhead or Godhood. But each of the three persons is, a, is specifically addressed in this song, and there are three persons in the Godhead. If we were studying that, we would address the fact that God, as we know God, and we say God, or deity, consists, is comprised, however you want to say that, but there are three persons that are God. Father, the Son, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. They are all divine persons. And so if we were to specifically then focus on the Holy Spirit, and again, I'm not going to belabor the point, but let's do make the point. If we were to focus on the Holy Spirit, we would go maybe and first establish that he's a person. And I'm not going to do that because I'm sure you believe that. But we would talk about all the things he can do as a person. He thinks, he wills, he acts, he does, he receives uh, certain things from other persons. These are all things that a person does, not just a, an action or a force separate and apart from a person, but no a person himself. But beyond that, the Holy Spirit is a divine person. He's not just a person like a human person, but he is a divine person. And he is one of only three that exist. The Father, Son, and Spirit are all divine persons. Now, if we were to look in the Bible, and we could run literally... About 50 or 60, 60 references like I'm about to show in a couple. Turn with me to Isaiah 61. You would see about 50 to 60 times, literally, that the Bible in a single verse will speak of the Godhead. Will speak of the three persons of the Godhead. And you can clearly see them. They are clearly distinguished. And sometimes they are, I mean, explicitly distinguished as three separate persons. But if you're looking at Isaiah 61, look at verse 1. You may recognize this, for Jesus quotes it in Luke 4. But he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Now, we don't have to wonder what that's about. As I said, Jesus quotes it in Luke 4 and applies it to himself. He's the me of the phrase. So notice how there are three persons here. There is the Spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit. There is the Lord God, referring to the Father. And there is the me in this phrase. And Jesus tells you in Luke 4 that that's Jesus. That's him. So three explicit or specific persons. Now, as I say, there's some 50 or 60 of these. I'll, I'll quote a couple of others. Matthew 28, verse 19. A lot of times you hear... Us or myself or someone quote when someone's baptized. I baptize you, as Jesus commands to do, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Three separate and distinct specific persons. I'd like for you to turn with me, though, if you will, to John 14. And something that's very interesting, and I, and I, I think it makes a point, and there are passages like this that do where there leaves no doubt that we are talking about a person of the Godhead, and we are talking about a person equal to the Father and the Son. If you notice in John 14 and verse 16, now we have phrases in the New Testament, I and the Father are one. Philippians 2, 
the equality with the Father was not a thing to be grasped, or with God was not a thing to be grasped. But notice John 14 and verse 16. And this is where Jesus is saying he's going to send the Holy Spirit as a comforter, or one to, you know, to call alongside to help, uh, an advocate even sometimes is translated. But look at verse 16. I will pray the Father, I, Jesus, will pray or ask the Father, the second person of the Trinity, And he shall give you yet another, third person of the Trinity, another comforter. But what's interesting about this verse is this. He will give you another. In the New Testament, you can clearly see this in Galatians 1 when it makes reference to doctrine and false doctrine. So you can write that down go look at that at home if you'd like. But there are two distinct words in the New Testament that mean another. And one clearly is another of the same kind. We know that word, uh, or at least a derivative of it, because we have the, the prefix H-O-M-O, as in homo sapien, or homosexuality, or homo this and that. But all homo means, or that original term, is the same. One of the same identity, one of the same kind. Now there's a different word that means literally different. And that's another of a different kind. That's why you get sort of that play on words in Galatians 1. Well, here, Jesus uses that term for another of the same kind for the Holy Spirit. And that's important. Because the Holy Spirit is another person of the same kind as Jesus. Meaning he's another divine person equal, if he's of the same kind, He's equal to. If I speak of another human being, I speak of myself as a human being and someone else as a human being. We're both the same. We're both human beings. That's what Jesus is using for the Holy Spirit. And so you get benedictions even. Look at the last verse in 2 Corinthians 13. And someone called me about 12.30 this morning <laughs> and ends up in a Bible study till about 2 o'clock. And we were talking about this verse among others. But notice in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's one person again, and the love of God, that's God the Father, the second person. And then notice, and the communion, the fellowship or the sharing of the Holy Spirit. Now, we could go on and on with that. Like I said, there are about 50 or 60 of those in the Bible, but you can clearly see in verses like these four, that three divine persons in the Godhead and the Holy Spirit is one of them. Now, having said that, the Holy Spirit is clearly God. Someone would say, well, I'm not convinced the Holy Spirit is God. Well, let's look at something Peter said. Look with me at Acts 5. When Ananias and Sapphira sinned, remember, they sold a piece of property or a possession, and uh, they kept back part of the money they sold it for, but they lied and they said they sold it for so much and gave that amount. Well, look at verse 3. When Ananias is called in, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? So specifically, the Holy Spirit is lied to. To lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land. But notice verse 4. While it remained... Was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own power? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied unto men, but unto God. Notice how Peter interchangeably uses the phrases or the terms or names, Holy Spirit and God. 
the Holy Spirit is God. Now, we can go on and on with that again. And I even put on your outlines, and you can go home and do this. You can see the quote in Isaiah 6. Remember when Isaiah says, Here am I, send me. God asks the question, Who will go for us? And all, and I'll send you then, and so forth. That's quoted. Three verses of Isaiah 6 are quoted in Acts 28. But if you look carefully at those passages, the Lord, Jehovah, said to Isaiah, Go, and I will send you. When Paul quotes that, or Luke does, in Acts 28, when Luke quotes that, he says, the Holy Spirit said. There, put that couplet together, and what you have is Jehovah is the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit is Jehovah. Similarly, you could go to Psalm 95 and compare it to Hebrews 3, and you'd see the same thing. Called simply Jehovah in Psalm 95, and very explicitly, telling you he's God, etc., etc. But when the writer of Hebrews refers to it, it's the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, who says. What does all of that say? The Holy Spirit is God. He's not a force. He's not an action. He's not an active will of God, as the Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, as, as the witnesses teach. He's not, you know, just the, the action of the Father, as some other cults and so forth believe, or as some brethren even misunderstand. He's not a lesser God, a lesser person in the Godhead. Some people believe in a hierarchy in the Godhead. The Father at the top, Jesus second, and the Holy Spirit third. He is not. Scripture clearly teaches the Holy Spirit is God. He is Jehovah. He is the Lord. He is equal or another person of the Godhead, just as Jesus or just as the Father. Now, having said all of that, then the question comes, okay, I accept that. The Holy Spirit is God. I accept He's a person of the Godhead. But should we be worshiping Him? Are we commanded to worship Him? Are we taught to worship Him? Because in this song, you can pull out 929 and look at it again. This is what you've just sang, if you sang it. Father, we worship You. Jesus, we worship You. Holy Spirit, we worship You. We love you and adore you. We glorify your name for each of these three. So you are definitely worshiping the Holy Spirit in that song. But again, the question is, should you be? And when you look in Scripture, you clearly understand what worship is. Let's go back to last year. Be holy. Be holy in my worship, quarter number four. And we gave a definition, and I copied some of that on your outline for you again. Worship is the act of showing respect, remember. Love for God. It is an expression of reverence. It is a form or a religious practice to show devotion or esteem. And so you get, you know, Revelation 4, verse 10, the 20 and 4 elders are casting down their crowns, as we sing in one of our songs, casting down their, their crowns before the throne of God. That's an act of reverence, an act of esteem, an act of... You know, lift, lifting up, glorifying that person on the throne. Um, we see that same kind of thing in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 25. When the guy comes into the assembly, remember last week's lesson, and he falls down on his face and worships God, saying, God is in you of a truth. Worship is a formal act, like singing, like we just did a few minutes ago. It's a formal act. It can be even an informal one. But this expression of devotion, this expression 
of reverence, but this acknowledgement when you worship that the one you are worshiping is superior to you. He's above you. And only God deserves that right. Remember in Scripture, and I'm not going to go to the references, but remember in Scripture at one point, maybe at several points, someone falls down to an angel to worship. angel says, get up, you know, notably in Revelation. Get up, get on your feet. I'm a servant of God just like you. I'm not superior to you. You should not worship me. Again, sometimes we see... You know, a man bowing down or falling down in worship to another man. We had that, you know, on the earth. People relegate people to superiority and bow down and worship them. In the scriptures, when someone does that to a fellow human being, get up, you know, stand up. I shouldn't be worshipped. We have Jesus, you know, explicitly saying that. You don't give these titles of reverence to fellow human beings. You don't bow on your knees before them. But yet, when you bow to Jesus... He accepts it. When you bow to any person of the Godhead, they accept it. They accept the worship. And you remember that the original word for worship, we emphasize this, and, and I still have people that will recall that when I talk about worship in my classes, for example, they'll say, we learned last year, you know, remember that word comes from like the dog licking the hand of the master? It's complete dedication, devotion to the one you consider your master and worthy of that praise. Now, having said all of that, when we, go, when, we, when we look at that idea of worship, that level of devotion, we worship you. That is, we bow down to you as the one who is higher than we are. We love you. We adore you. Should we be saying that to the Holy Spirit? Or should we only be saying that to Jesus, as some believe? Or only be saying that to the Father and the Son, as some believe? Or should we, like this song says, should we be saying that to all three? Should we be worshiping all three members of the Godhead? Well, let's note very quickly a couple of things we're saying in this song. Because we want to look at what the song teaches. We love you. To love God is not just an emotional feeling that you have. If you turn to John 14, for example, you were to look at verse 15 and verse 21... It will say, Jesus will say, and that passage will say, if you love me, keep my commandments. Love that's used there really doesn't have a lot to do with feeling. Don't misunderstand. We ought to feel something about God, but that verse doesn't. It really has more to do with your will. That is, the action you take. And you can express that kind of love that is having an active good will or a good action toward anyone. And that's why we're commanded to have that. We're commanded to even have that toward our enemies. We're commanded to have that toward our wife, even if we don't like them, you know. But you're commanded because it has to do more with action than it does feeling. And that's what God is saying. So maybe in our day and time, you know, having come through the generations starting maybe in the 60s and and after, the idea of love was inseparable from emotion. But really, back in Scripture, it's not. That's why there's a completely separate term used for emotion. So here, we love you. What are we saying? Are we saying we're filled with emotion for the Father, Jesus, and the Spirit? Well, you may be. And you can take the poetic license there and say that. But I would say, if we're looking at what Scripture commands us to have, it is more our action. So the point would be this. 
And some have made the point. If you're going to sing a song like this and you're going to say to the Holy Spirit, I love you, then you need to be obeying the commandment of God and where is the commandment to worship the Holy Spirit? Beyond that, we glorify your name, as it says, which means to glorify or bring glory to or express publicly, and that's what we're doing. When someone walks in through the back door and they observe us singing song number 929, we are in verse 3 specifically saying, Spirit, Holy Spirit, we love you, we adore you, we worship you, we glorify you. Then we go into the chorus, we glorify your name, glorify your name in all the earth. And so we are clearly, publicly expressing glory to this individual person of the Godhead. And that's the greater question. Should we be doing that? Should we worship the Holy Spirit? So I want to get into answering that for a moment, and I want to look at it from a couple of standpoints. First of all, let's just start biblically, because that's where we should go. Someone has asked, is there anywhere in the Bible where it says, worship the Holy Spirit? No. There's no statement like that anywhere in the Bible that I know of. But I could be very quick to point out a host of things. There is not a statement made to, you know, an exact, direct statement made, and yet you would accept it and believe it. One would be, for example, the plan of salvation. And we all know that you've got to take this verse and that verse and the other verse and put everything God has said about salvation, and you've got to do it all. We understand that principle. When we were studying in Wendy's the other night, and Wes was teaching from the book of John, and we were talking about the superscription over the cross. Pilate wrote, you've got to take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you don't take all four, you will not get the superscription over the cross, because each one quotes part of it, but not all of it. This is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. You won't find that statement in the New Testament, but by redacting Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will. You will get all four accounts giving the one full superscription. Now, why am I saying that? Because you're not going to find the statement, worship the Holy Spirit. But you're going to be taught in principle and in various passages and synthesizing passages like we just did with the superscription that God is teaching you to worship each member of the Godhead. The simple answer to life, should we worship the Holy Spirit? The answer is yes. Why? Because he's God, Scripture shows that, and God is to be worshipped. If we were to go back to Psalm, the book of Psalms, let's go to Psalm 18 for a moment. If we were to look at passages like Psalm 18, it's very clear, it's very simple, and it's very clear. That's why I wanted to look at this psalm. In Psalm 18, beginning in verse 1, i got time to go over and read both of these, so let's do it. Psalm 18, beginning in verse 1, he says... I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. Now, you're getting a general term. You'll notice Lord in, in a lot of your translations. If you have that, it will be Lord with lower capitals. And that means that this is Jehovah. So this is God, Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I love you, Lord. Well, that's what we've just said. We've delineated and sang each to each individual person, but we would have Psalm 18 long ago telling Jehovah, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I love you. So I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God. Notice, my God. Jehovah is my God. 
And uh, the horn of my salvation, as Ekong read for us, my high tower or fortress, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. And we could go on and on with that. Look at Psalm 48, a similar passage. And, and obviously all we're doing is just showing verses that teach us to praise God. Not any person in particular, but God. Psalm 48, verse 1. Great is the Lord. Same word for Lord there. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. And he goes on with that. God is to be worshipped. God is to be praised. Jesus would say to Satan, you know, Satan said, fall down before me and worship me. Only God is to be worshipped. Jesus answered the devil. In the book of Revelation, we can clearly see that God is to be worshipped. I made reference to that those passages a moment ago when I was talking about the picture in Revelation, notably of people falling down before an angel. No, only God is to be worshipped. So what have we said? Let's kind of summarize what we've said, and then I want to make a historical point. So we've argued from the Bible, and this is what we've said. God, let's, let's do it backwards from where we just were in Psalms. Jehovah, God, is to be worshipped. He is to be praised. He is to be told, Psalm 18, verse 1, that we love Him. So nothing wrong with singing a song to God saying, We love you, we worship you, we adore you. And the word adore, of course, is just that particular affection, strong fondness. You know, I really love something. Well, you really love God. If you mean that and you sing that, yes. So we're starting in psalms like this, but we work back. So now we have the question, Jehovah, the God, is to be praised and told, I love you. But who is the God? Who is Jehovah? And if we work back from that, we would find that Jehovah, the God, is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can do an easy study, and it is an easy study, where you can go to specific verses and you can see the Father referred to as God. A simple one, Galatians 1, verse 1. God the Father. You can see Jesus the Son referred to as God. Remember Thomas? After Jesus said, you know, put your hand forth, touch, touch the nail prints, stick your hand in my side. Thomas didn't need to do that. My Lord and my God. When Peter calls in Ananias, you lied to God. Because you lied to the Holy Spirit. Each of the three is God. Each of the three is a divine person. Each of the three, the Trinity, is equal. Again, I emphasize what is an important verse, but easy to miss. John 14 and verse 16, I will send you another comforter, another of the same kind. In other words, he's going to take the place of Jesus. He's got to be the same as Jesus in order to do that. It is just like the phrases we see of, I and the Father are one, and, and so forth, equating the Father and Son. And we believe that, certainly. But there you have Jesus equating the Holy Spirit with himself. So what have we said? God is to be praised. God is to be worshipped. The Holy Spirit is God. Therefore, he should be worshipped. And that's why I believe in singing songs like this and uh, emphasize the people in my teaching. You need to worship God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not leave any of the three out. Now, having said that, let me just give you a brief, and I'm going to take about five minutes and we're going to be done. But a brief historical point about worshiping God. 
You know, to deny worship to the Holy Spirit is a relatively new notion. I'm trying to go back and find, and there may be, there are a couple of obscure references that may be saying, no, the Holy Spirit should not be worshipped. But generally speaking, if you want to find articles and writings and people taking a position that you ought not worship the Holy Spirit, it's, it's relatively new. In other words, what has been understood, I think, from the very beginning is that the Holy Spirit is to be worshipped because the Holy Spirit is God, along with the Father and the Son. In the early church, they acknowledged the deity of the Holy Spirit, and they worshipped Him. And I'll give you an example. Uh, in a letter that was circulated by the church of Smyrna, and this had to do with, some of you have heard the name Polycarp. He was a student of the Apostle John. They burned him at the stake as an old man in the second century. Polycarp, when he was killed, the church at Smyrna, where he was very influential, circulated this letter about Polycarp's faith and the faith of the church at Smyrna. I'm going to read you a quote from that. This writer of this letter said, Wherefore also I praise you, for, and referring to God the Father as I jump in the middle of that quote, but I praise you for all things. I bless you, notice this, I bless you, Father, along with the everlasting and heavenly Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, with whom to you and the Holy Spirit be glory both now and to all the coming ages. Amen. So here we have a second century letter by a church that existed in the days of the apostles. And that doesn't mean anything in one sense, but it does show you that at least as far back as you can almost go, here are people worshiping the Holy Spirit. If we went further, next century, the ante, that is before the Nicene Fathers, a Council at Nicaea 325, so you're talking about events that occurred before that great council at Nicaea. But anyway, there's a record of an ancient Christian hymn. You know, just like we just sang 929 and 854, and these are Christian hymns. But this refers to an ancient Christian hymn, and some of the lyrics are quoted, and I give you this quote. We praise the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit of God. Now, it's about as simple as it can get, you know. But it's telling you we praise Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For years, Christians have sung hymns in which the Spirit of God was praised along with the Father and the Son. A Latin hymn, for example, from A.D. 350, Gloria Patria. Around this time of the year, you'll hear people, you know, uh, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll hear uh, that song. Well, can't get it out here. But you'll hear that song at this time of the year in which Gloria Patria, translated into English, is, uh, is sung. You know, glory, 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 etc., but here are the lyrics from this ancient Latin version of it, obviously translated. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, and now, and always, into the ages of ages. Amen. You're seeing their consistency. They're praising Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. West led us in the doxology. The doxology, or if you noticed at the top of your hymn when you sang that, and then we immediately went back to, you know, before Jehovah's awful throne. Doxology was like uh, uh, a, a uh, um, well, <laughs> like a coda at the end of the song, but it was like a chorus, as we sometimes would say, but really it was just something that came at the end of that quote-unquote old hundred from Bourgeois' uh, Psalter. You can see it. I think it's dated 
1531 or something like that. But anyway, here's the point. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, you heavenly host, you angels. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Christians have been singing that, obviously, for hundreds of years. And again, in one of my favorite songs, although it really kind of, I guess you talk, call, it, call it a pet peeve or whatever, but when I came into the church, I had never heard the song, Holy, 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 before. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. I thought it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever heard. And at that time, we used an old hymn book. When I became a member of the church 40 years ago, we were, everybody, pretty much everybody, was using sacred selections. You go back to sacred selections and back, when that song, till when that song was written, it will have the original words. It will say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. Now, some of you older people can probably remember singing that. Songbook, songbook, songbook. And all of a sudden, and this is the first time I noticed it, it might have come out before then, but we had, when I first came here, the Golden Songs of the Church. Remember the golden colored book? If you look in that, and I was, and, and we had gotten that song book back where I came from. And when the first time we sang this song, I went, wow, <laughs> where is Blessed Trinity? Because it got changed to God overall, blessed eternally. Now, I don't know why. I don't know if the editor of the song book decided that needed to be changed. Brethren, we're starting to have more and more problem with talking about the Trinity and praising the Holy Spirit. I don't know why. I'd like to know that at some point, but I find that interesting. Now, let me be clear. God overall, blessed eternally, is perfectly scriptural. So I don't have a problem singing those words, but if we went back to Reginald Heber's song from 1826, that's not what he wrote. What he wrote was a clear expression of worshiping the Trinity and God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. My point is this. Christians have been singing praise to the Holy Spirit for centuries. It's a relatively, for whatever reason, it just is one of those doctrines that cropped up, influence of certain groups like the Jehovah's Witnesses, a combination of all that, I don't know. But it's a relatively new idea for people to say the Holy Spirit should not be worshipped. Now, where does that leave you? You really ought to make up your mind on this one. Because if you're singing praise to the Holy Spirit and He doesn't deserve it, then you're doing something wrong. If, as some would contend, worship should be given to the Lord, and the Lord is Jesus in our day, and Jesus only, then we should not be singing any songs that praise either the Father or the Holy Spirit. More people believe the Father and Jesus, but still exclude the Holy Spirit. However, if you don't believe that, and in fact, if I'm right about this, and you should go home and study it for yourself, and I'm saying we should worship the Holy Spirit, and these song leaders are coming up here leading songs for us to praise the Holy Spirit, and, you know, but if you don't believe that and you're not doing that, 
then you are not worshiping God. And if Psalm 18, like I'm saying, and Psalm 48 says you should be worshiping Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then you're not worshiping God as you should. This is one of those things where you need to make up your own mind. Now, I promise you, I'm not calling you this week and ask you which position even you have on it. That's for you to make up your own mind. But I really do believe it's something that you should think about. You can see, even from the question and the question and answer period, that people are thinking about it. I assure you I get that in Bible studies and even classes here. Should we be worshiping the Holy Spirit? It is something we as Christians need to answer. You're here tonight, you're not a child of God. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You are willing to confess that belief and you will repent. You'll change your life. Um, Wes read a verse and emphasized the verse this morning from Second Peter, or Second Peter, Second Timothy chapter 2. The Lord knows those who are His because they depart from evil, to paraphrase, and they begin doing what's right. And if tonight you will say, I do that, and I want to be baptized for forgiveness of all my sins, you will be a child of God. You will belong to Him, and He will know that. And maybe you're here tonight, and you're kind of looking at yourself, and you you know, we're talking about a very technical point tonight, worshiping the Holy Spirit, but you're looking at yourself, and you're saying, my life needs to be better. I need to worship God every day. I need to really love God and praise God. I need to express my worship to God. I need to glorify God with my life. And I need to ask for forgiveness and for strength to do that. Do you need to come? Please come. Follow me.